offer. You've heard me quote him so many times. I love Dietrich. Listen, if there's any book that I could recommend, Eric Metaxas wrote a biography on Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Um, it's actually, it's weird. It's actually my favorite book. Okay, I love that book. Um, if you're a reader, I encourage you to read about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, written from Eric Metaxas, and you'll, it'll bless your life. It's a thick book, um, but it's an addicting book. You won't be able to I would walk around everywhere with him. People were like, why are you carrying that thick book? It was literally thicker than this. It was like, I was like, dude, this guy and the way God, it, it was, you just got to read it. But Dietrich Bonhoeffer has this, uh, I'm, I'm going to take this and I'm going to quote him and one of the things that he says. And I want you to really look at these words. He says this, there is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. Okay? I, I want you just to, just, uh, just one quick quote. There is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. How many of you guys have experienced this? You've been on a journey. You've been traveling down this road. And you've asked yourself, what is the meaning? But God then shows you, okay, at some point or another, why what happened needed to happen. Or why the circumstances that occurred needed to occur. Whatever it might be. You know, you might find yourself, as we've been discussing this, series as we are in the third installment today, part three, you might find yourself in this call of God, in this journey, and you're traveling in this unknown. This unknown as we called it, and we're looking for some meaning, we're looking for a purpose. Can I be very honest with you guys? How many of you have gone on in life and have just lived your lives in Christ trying to figure out what is my purpose in life? How many of you have done that? I know I have. I know I have. What's my purpose? Like, what is my me? Like, I am in this call of God. You guys remember um, two weeks ago when we opened up the, the series and we had the, the, the woods back there? And I said, just imagine God calling you in. Remember I did that hole and we turned off the lights? Now, you're inside those woods. You're inside that fog. Or you're inside these waters. And you're on a boat and you can't even see what's in front of you. Anyone who is a boater here knows that that is very dangerous. Because you can't see what's in front of you and there's not brakes on boats. So if you slow down, you're still going and you might hit whatever's in front of you. I mean, that is very unknown. That is very dangerous, waters like that. You do not want to go out on waters like that ever. Ever. But let's be re re real, realistic. Some of our lives are like that, ain't it? I know some of you had to have gone through something this week that looks like that, doesn't it? Just like, I have no idea what's in front of me. And it's so beautiful to be there. Because God looks at you and says, but I do. But I see right through the fog because I created the fog. Now, now this, is, this is amazing um, because in this call, we look at this and we're like, what's my meaning? What's my purpose? Everything seems so, so cloudy, so misty. And then some find their meaning. Some find their purpose sooner than others. Some find it later, obviously. And there are times when you feel as if you will never have clarity. As if all assurance of finding meaning and purpose is impossible. I would ask again, how many of you have ever felt that? And I'm sure, I mean, I'm hoping that 90% of you guys would raise your hand because I would raise two hands. I'll repeat it. How many of you have ever felt like you have no clarity and if all assurance of finding your meaning and your purpose is impossible? Man, have I been there? Man, have I been there? But the truth is that if we are living in the call of God, we need to be rest assured that we have purpose. 
and that we have meaning. It might not all be revealed to us, bam, in one shot when we desire it, but it is revealed to us when he wills it. How many of you can say amen? When he wills it. Like, I'm just going to pause because these are things that, you know, you just talk when you open up this conversation. But, like, I like to look at people in the Old Testament. You could tell, right? It's going to be one of those Sundays. Just, it's going to be you and, you and me. Just we're going to discuss some things. But, like, I like to look at the, at the scripture. And, um, like, I think about Moses. Like, forget about the, the years in the wilderness. Let's talk about the years before the wilderness. Take a, think about that for a moment. Think about Jacob. God promised him all these things, but then he's getting tricked by uncles. And I mean, just think about all these patriots in the Bible. Before God accomplished his will on their lives, they all, they all went through this time that we could call like a wilderness, really, that we could call like an unknown moment. Like Moses was most wanted person in the most powerful country, Egypt. Pharaoh wanted his head. But now he's hiding in the mountains and raising sheep and all that. Like what was going through his mind all those years? All those years knowing that he'll never go see people that he loves again. He'll, he'll never be able to go back. He'll never be able to go visit. And then from literally from one day to another he's walking. I don't know, one of his sheep gets away. He's chasing him. He said, come back here. Come back. And as he looks, he looks to the side. He's like, what? And there is a bush that is on fire but not on fire. It is on fire, but it's not being consumed by the fire. It's not being licked up by the fire. And he says, that's weird because normally fire destroys leaves and trees and branches. Why isn't this being destroyed? And out of nowhere, a voice comes out and says, Mo, it's time for us to have a talk after all these years. It's time for us to discuss some things. Okay, and you are tree that talketh to me. And so much beautiful things happens in that encounter. Moses takes off his sandals. So beautiful thing. <laughs> Weird. Okay, he does. He takes off his sandals, speaks to God. God speaks to him. That starts a beautiful relationship between Moses and God. Hey, Moses makes it a habit of doing that. For the rest of his life, he's up on mountaintops talking to God all the time. Sometimes for 40 days. People think he's dead up there and he's not. He's just like drunk in the presence of God. Like, whoa, God is here. But I look at Moses and I look at all these people. I look at David. Like David was anointed king, but then he didn't become king when he was anointed king. How weird is that? Like if you just anointed me king, let me be king. And God's like, no, just want you to know I have a plan for you. But just, just wait. Moses, wait. And we could go down the list of so many people. And I'm thinking we could relate to a lot of those guys. I know God has to have a meaning for my life. I know God has to have purpose. What the heck is it? And God just looks at us and says, One day, I will speak to you, and I will reveal these things to you. Isn't that amazing? But it's not as we desire it. It's as He wills. As, and as we live in this life, as we function in God's will, as we do life in what seems to be the unknown to us at times, I'm going to encourage you to do something. Every day we've been focusing on a word. Well, today I'm going to encourage you to explore. Can you write that down in your notes? Explore. Week number one, what was our, our magic word? Yeah, our powerful word was obedience. Number two, what was our, our second word? Covenant was last week. 
And number three, today we have the word explore. If you're taking notes, explore. Well, what does the word explore mean? The word explore means to, to look closely into, to examine, to search out, okay? Now, there could be so many things that the Lord is doing in this call of His, as He's called us in, so many things that He's showing us, so many things that He's trying to speak to our hearts, but we can miss it, we can miss it unintentionally. And it happens all the times to us. And that's what I want to get into because I want to ask you guys, is God showing you something? Maybe God wants to do something specific in you. Maybe he wants to work through you to reach others who are on this same journey called the unknown. Maybe he wants to reach those who he's calling into the unknown. Maybe he wants to, he wants to pour out so that you could find your gifting, so that you could use the gifts that God has given you for his glory. He might be calling you to, to just know him deeper in a more intimate relationship, in a more intimate way. Who knows what it might be, but the truth is, in this life that we live, we can miss what God is showing us. We could. We can easily focus on what seems to be the negative things, to be the busy things, to be the ungodly things. Sometimes we get so busy, we forget about God and we outdo God and we have no time even for God. So many times we get so ungodly that we forget about the godly things. Busyness is not a good thing if it draws you away from God. Okay? Ungodliness, well, eh, we already know the answer. Not a good thing. M maybe it's just this, whatever it could be. I mean, I, I literally wrote in my notes, etc., etc., because every person's different here. But we can easily focus on these other things, on negative things, on ungodly things, on busy things that could become negative and ungodly things. And we can allow those things to occupy our mind and our energy. And when that occurs, listen to this. I'm just giving you a quick introduction. When that occurs, when we lose our mind, what do you mean by that? When we lose our thought of the things of God and when we lose our energy that pursues the things of God, oh man, that's a dangerous place to be at. I wrote this down and I want to share this with you. We can't be serving the Lord effectively if our thoughts are not on God's thoughts and our pursuing is not after His will. That's a good part for, good part for an amen. Okay, help me out. I'm going to say that one more time because it blessed me when I wrote it. We can't be serving the Lord. You could be serving the Lord, okay? But very rarely will you be able to serve the Lord effectively, effectively, if your thoughts are not on God's thoughts. Hey, can I ask a question? How do we know God's thoughts? How do we know God's thoughts? Through his word. If our thoughts are not on his thoughts and our pursuing, our energy is not pursuing after his will. I want to read a scripture to, um, as we get through this little introduction. It's 1 Peter 1.13. Many of you are familiar with it. 1 Peter 1.13 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, Set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed that is coming. I love all that stuff, but I love how it starts. Therefore, with minds that are alert 
and fully sober. I looked at that word sober in the Greek. It can also be translated to the word watch or watchful. So with minds that are alert, minds that are always on the watch, I, I, then I grab the word watch and I start playing with it and I say, with minds that are searching out, that are examining, that are looking through things, huh? that are exploring Minds which are alert and fully sober to watch, to look into, to explore, but keeping our minds alert. What does that mean? To never lose focus in the unknown. The waters. So easy in those waters to lose focus. Well, First Peter's like, don't lose focus. Don't do it. The waters are choppy. The, the, the clouds are thick. But I am still good, God says. Don't lose focus. The unknown is exactly where I want you. And the call of God is exactly where I have you. In the last two weeks, if you've missed the series, we've been talking about this unknown, which is the call of God in our lives. And we've learned about, like we just said, the word obedience and the importance of how it must, how it, we need it and how it's a must in our lives if we're going to survive this call. Number two, we discussed the word covenant and commitment to this covenant, how it's crucial and how we can never break away from the unknown. And today, as we look at the word explore, I want you to recognize that the Lord is all about this word. I want to read two passages real quick. See, the Lord desires us to explore, to search out our desires. He desires our seeking. Look at Jeremiah. Uh, Ali quoted Jeremiah 29, 11, as he speaks to Israel. I want to be very clear. As he speaks to the children of Israel, look what he tells them after Jeremiah 29, 11. We're going to start on verse 12. Watch this. He tells Israel this. Then you will call upon me, and you will go and pray to me. And I will listen to you, and you will seek me. And look what he says next. You will seek me, and you will, and you will what? You'll find me. I love that because God is, is in the business to be found. He's not like hiding from people. Like, where's God now? He's like, I'm, I'm here. Never is he hiding from individuals. When you search for me with all of your heart, I love that because you will seek me and you'll find me, but, but it has to be with all of your heart. Not half-heartedly. Not like, oh, I'll just give this a try. No, it's like, are you going to go all in? To the unknown. Are you going to do this? Verse 14. I will be found by you, says the Lord. He's telling Israel. What a promise to Israel. I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from the nations and from the places where I've driven you. I will bring you to a place from which I cause you to be carried away captive. That's amazing. That's amazing. What is he really telling the children of Israel? Explore. Watch. Search out. Look for me. And I promise you. You're going to find me. You're going to find me. You know, Christ says something very similar to his followers in Matthew chapter 7. If you're taking notes, look at Matthew 7. We're going to start in verse 7. In the New Testament, Jesus Christ says this to his followers. You guys know this passage, don't you? He says, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. I'm not going to take this and twist this. and Just, just listen to Christ's words. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks. What does it say, church? Okay, what does it say, church? He who seeks what? Finds. 
finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. And then I love this, because I'm a father now, so I can relate to this. What man is there for you if his son asks for bread, gives him a stone? Like, that's evil. Like, my son says, awa, awa, awa. I know what he wants. You want to take a guess? Water. Awas, water in Spanish. Imagine if I give him vinegar. Ah, got you. Which father does that? Like to our friends, that's funny. But to your son, it's not that funny, man. Yeah, give me some bread, give me some bread. All right, and then when I was a little kid in Key West, my godmother, she has a, a, a I don't even know what that, an outlet where, where it takes you out to the ocean, Key West. And they dock boats in the, and they're, you know, a dock. And they used to, when I was, since I was little, we used to get bread. And we used to throw it into the water, and all the fish would come up. Sometimes we'd always look for that barracuda would come up. There was a famous barracuda there. And um, she would, we would see the fish eat the bread. I've been doing that since I was a little kid. So today, when I go to Key West, my grandma's, I was like, you have bread? I'm 33 years old. I'm like, you have bread? I want to throw it into the fish. And she's, she probably looks like, scroll up already, man. <laughs> but I used to do something that none, my sister didn't do, none of my cousins did. I used to get the bread... And, I, and, and if my godmother has this backyard and in her front yard, and it's full of little rocks, little white rocks all over her house. And I would get a little rock and I would put it in the bread and I would crumble the bread. So, the, so it looked promising, but inside there was a stone in there and I would throw it in the water. I was like, let's see if the fish eats it. And I would see to see which fish was sticking in his mouth because when he went like that, it was going to be a rock covered in bread. It was the funniest thing to see as a child. But now I look at that having a child, and I'm like, oh my God, how evil was I? From child, I was evil, man. From my... The fish were smarter than humans at that moment because they would nibble on it, and the bread would dissolve from it, and then finally they would eat it, and the rock would just sink eventually. It would just fall, and they would do it quick, and it sunk. But which father does that? And Jesus is telling his followers, hey, which man, if a son asks for bread, gives him a stone? If he asks for a fish, gives him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to, God just pointed at the finger at me. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Like, when I read these two passages, one towards Israel and one in the New Testament with Jesus and his followers, don't you see the heart of God there? What is the heart of God really telling you? Explore. Search for me. Find me and see me in ways that you've never found me or seen me in. Look deeply into this and I'm going to show you parts of me that you've never seen. My God, can you call upon me? That's weird, my God. My me, like, can you call upon me? I love Moses as an example. Lord, I want to see your glory. And God's like, are you crazy? No man can see my glory. For the day that any man sees my face, they will die. You can't see it. But he saw Moses' heart. I'm not going to be satisfied. I'm not, I'm not going to get over this. Like, I need to see you fully. I'm exploring you. I'm searching out for you, God. I'm not going to let go till you show me who you are. And God is like, this guy's never going to get it. 
Moses is so hard-headed. And he says, all right, Moses, let's do a deal. Stand on this rock. I will pass by you, and I won't show you my face because I don't want you to die yet, but I'll show you a piece of me. I'll show you my back, and trust me, that will be just enough for now. And Moses stands by the rock. God comes through, puts his hand on his eyes, takes his hands off, and Moses sees the back of God's, the glory of God's back. And that was enough for Moses. If he would have seen his face, he would have died. But God honored that Moses wanted him. Moses was exploring. Moses was searching. You are the God of Israel. You did deliver us from Egypt. Now I just want to see you already. How many of you, your hearts are like that after God? I just want to see you. I just want to see you already, man. Just long for the things of you. And that's his heart in these two passages, whether it's towards Israel or towards us. Francis Chan, another person whom I love, um, as a man of God, he, he says this in his book, and I've read this book, a good book also if you want to read, For God and God. Look what he says. It is true that God may have called you to be exactly where you are, but it is absolutely vital to grasp that he didn't call you there so that you could settle in and live your life in comfort and superficial peace. Is that good? It's so true. It is so true. Like I look at this and I say, well, maybe Francis was on to something. Yeah. Maybe there is more. The unknown. Church, the unknown was never meant to be a place where we say things like this. Okay, I'm saved now. I can take my shoes off, relax, and I'm just going to wait now until the Lord takes me to be with him. That's not the unknown. That's not the call of God. It's more a place where the Lord says, no, now it's time to get up. Now it's time to prepare the way. Now it's time to be a voice. Amen? Here's the text that I'm going to preach on today. If you have your Bibles, open up to Luke chapter 10. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 20. We're going to read it together. And you guys know this passage because I've most likely, I, I don't even remember what I preach here years back, but... I've preached this before, I had to of in Luke chapter 10, 1 through 20. And as we read this passage, let me give you a little backdrop of what's happening here. Jesus is at the point of his ministry where he's going to start visiting different villages. He's going to start visiting different towns. And as he goes to visit different villages and different towns... He has about 70 plus followers that are with him, disciples. Not 12, at this, point, at this point, he had more than 12. He had over 70. What he does is, he grabs these 70 disciples and he says, All right, how many of you guys want to be used once and for all? I've called you guys. How many of you guys are just tired of walking around with me, talking with me, eating with me? How about now it's time for you guys to do things? And what he does is, he begins to send them out. And you're going to see in pairs of two. Because we always need that accountability, right? Okay. And he sends them out. And as he sends them out, there's a reason why he's sending them out. Go be a voice. Go prepare the way. Because to the towns that I'm sending you to, tell them that I'm going to go there. I'm going to do a crusade there. Get them ready for me to return to those places. And that's where we're at. I want you to look at verse 1 with me. It says, the Lord now chooses in the NLT, in the NIV, ESV. ESV says 72, NKJV 70, 
It doesn't matter whether it's 70 or 72, it's 70, 70 plus. It says he chooses 72 of his disciples and he sends them ahead in pairs of, in pairs of two, two obviously in pairs, to all the towns and places that he planned to go visit. But these were his instructions to them. And guys, I want you to listen to this. He says, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Here it is again. Ask him. Ask him to send more workers into the fields. Verse 3, now go and remember that I am sending you out. At, what, a, what a verse. I'm sending you, sending you out as lambs among wolves. Don't take any money with you, nor a traveler's bag. Don't take a luggage. Don't take any extra pairs of shoes, no sandals. And don't stop along the road to greet anyone. Pretty, some pretty harsh statements. We'll talk about that. Verse 5. Whenever you enter someone's house, you say to them, May God's peace be upon this house. If those who live there are peaceful, that blessing is going to stand there. But if they're not, the blessing will return to you. Don't move around from home to home. Stay in one place, eating and drinking what they give you, what they provide. Don't hesitate to accept hospitality because those who work deserve their pay. If you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever it's set before you. Heal the sick and tell them the kingdom of God is near for you. But if a town refuses to welcome you, go out into the streets and say, we wipe even the dust from your town from the feet to show that we have abandoned you to your fate. I like how that translation says that. And know this, the kingdom of God is near. So dust, wipe off the dust from your feet. I assure you, even wicked Sodom will be better off than such a town on Judgment Day if they reject you. I'm going to skip to verse 16, if you don't mind. Then he said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message is also accepting me. Wow. What power is that? <laughs> like if you accept this message, you accept, like, uh, I don't know. Anyone who rejects you is rejecting me. Anyone who rejects me is rejecting God who sent me. That's a powerful verse, man. 17. When the 72 disciples returned, some good things happened. I'll, I'll prove to you that some good things happened. So they went on their journey. They come back. 16 to 17, there's a gap of time there. We don't know. But they come back maybe days later, maybe weeks later. And as they come back, look what the disciples tell Jesus. They joyfully began to report to Jesus, Lord, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. <laughs> They're like, yeah. We casted out demons. 18, he tells them, yes. He says, yes. I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. 19, look. Look, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. You can walk among the snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing's going to injure you. How many of you can say amen? All right, but look at verse 20. But do not, do not rejoice because evil spirits obey you. You rejoice because your names are written, are registered in heaven. <laughs> That's powerful. Like you think you're a big, you think you could do some things here. <laughs> don't rejoice in that. You just rejoice, and I don't want to give it away, and what I have up there for you. That's it. You rebuke a demon, you cast out a demon, you heal a sick person, you save thousands, you say, all right, good job, God, and you just keep going to the next place. You do not bask, and you do not take up any of that credit for yourself. I love meeting people, and I shake their hands, and I say, hello. I heard your pastor, yeah, I am, what's your name? I'm prophetess, so-and-so, so-and-so. I'm like, okay. 
I'm prophet so and so so and so. Okay. And that's fine. But is it really about prophet is prophet, evangelist? It's really about the person you prophesy about, evangelize about, speak about, talk about. It's about God. Amen. All right, let's get into this word. Can you imagine? After we've just read Luke 20, um, was it Luke 20? Luke 10. Luke 10. As we've read Luke 10, can you imagine what these disciples would have missed out on if they would have never gone out? Just think about that for a moment. Can you imagine what we will miss out on if we stay put, like the quote of Francis Chan? Imagine these followers of Christ for a moment. Next to him, never leaving him, never doing, never exploring. They would have missed out on so much. But Christ tells them it's time to go. Now imagine them saying, well, where are we going? What's going to happen? We found you. We're following you. But the, the Lord, when you read this passage, tells them to go. He wanted them to experience on their own. Though he was always with them, he wasn't going to explore those things physically with them. Though he was always going to be there with them. We know that because he tells the disciples, go do all these great things. And at the end of the Great Commission, and know this, I am with you always to the end of age. I might not be there physically, but I'm there. Trust me, I'm there. I'm present in all those areas. It's an exploring in this unknown where we will find the gifts that God has for our lives. It's, it's in the searching out where we will find and see his goodness and his grace. Those gifts that he's equipped us with. I want to talk about explore. Ready? Number one, if you're taking notes, what do I have to explore? Number one, and we're going to go through this and we're not going to spend too much time. Ready? Explore, number one, God's gifting. I want you to write that. Explore God's gifting. Paul, to the church of Romans in chapter 12, if you're taking notes, Romans 12, verse 6 through 12, I want you to hear, if you have a Bible, open it. I want you to see Paul's letter to the Romans. He says this in Romans 12, 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do not just pretend to love others. I love that. Because our, our, our phrase here in New Life, our mission statement is what? Ignite an authentic love for God and for people. Like, don't just pretend like, hey, welcome to New Life where we love you and then it's fake. Don't do that. Just don't say anything here if you're going to do that. Like, if you're going to tell someone here, I love you, you better back it up with some actions, man. Like, you better show them the love of God. Like, when they're sick, you go visit them. When they're down, you better call them. When they're hurt, you better go and ill them. Like, like you better show people here that you love them. If we're going to say we love God, we love people, amen? And, and I like this. He says, don't just pretend to love others. Look what he says next. You really, I like that. You really love them. You really love people. No, no I love you. No, you don't. You lie. You don't love me. Paul's like, you really love them, man. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with genuine affection. Take delight in honoring each other. Don't be lazy. Never. Work hard. Serve the Lord with enthusiasm. Rejoice in your confident hope. How many of God's people say amen? Man, 
Awesome passage by Paul. Paul's awesome. He's given us different gifts. Now do it well. Man, so many people, we, we live our lives in Christ. Listen to this. We live our lives in Christ and we wonder these things. What's my call? We live in Christ and we say, well, what has God gifted me with? We live in Christ and we say things like, how can the Lord use me? Easily. Very easy we could answer that. So easy. And I hope by the end of this message you see how God can use you. So many people, man. If I wonder if God could use me like that. There's nothing to think about, church. There's not one thing to wonder about any longer, anymore. The answer is explore. Watch how God can use you. Search out, examine, find that in which he's equipped you with. How will it happen if they just say, okay, Lord, I'm here, I'm sitting, I'm waiting for you to put some magic potion and use me instead of going, go, do it, explore, watch how I'm going to use you. Hey, I wrote something down, write this, know this, listen to this. Heaven is our end goal. Heaven is our desire, but there's so much more to explore and experience today here on earth. Heaven is what we long for and we wait for, but earth is what's been given to us today, and earth is what we take hold of and explore and do things for God in today. So that God could leave us in awe. I want everyone to look at first point, explore God's gift. And I want you to go back to that passage of Luke chapter 10. And I want you to look at verse 3. In the unknown, in God's call. Look at verse 3. What does he tell his disciples? What does he tell his followers? He says what? Now go and remember, I am sending you as lambs among wolves. Now this is crazy. Definitely not the popular thing. A lamb among wolves does not sound too promising to me. Like I want to be a wolf among lambs. Like, ah, come and get me. Like, obviously that's not biblical. So we're lambs among wolves. Wolves dress themselves in sheep clothing. not us. Amen? So not too promising. I send you out as lambs among wolves. We all know what happens. Wolves devour lambs. So, come here. Why would God send us to wolves as lambs when they devour us? Why? It doesn't make any sense. That sounds like my future is what? Failure. Disastrous. I'm not going to be able to accomplish anything. What do you think God was really telling them? When he says, I send you out as lambs among wolves. I think I figured it out. That in this unknown, I do things differently than the world does it. Because I start to look at different people again in the Bible. You look at David, you look at Gideon, you look at Joshua, you look at Jeremiah, you look at all the disciples. Hey, watch this. You could even look at the life of Jesus Christ. There were all lambs among wolves. David was a lamb and he walked into a wolf's pack. A wolf pack. Uh, Gideon was a lamb and he walked into a pack of wolves Joshua, same thing, Jeremiah, same thing and we could go down the list of every single biblical character but I want you to catch this each one of them lived this unknown by exploring and finding the gifting in their lives and did you notice something? each one of them conquered the wolves in their lives so he sends us out as lambs among wolves and I get it because he's already equipped me and gifted me in areas in my life that I will already come out victorious. And I look at that passage, verse 3, and do you guys catch this when you read that? My God is not worried, not once. I send you all as lambs among wolves. And you're like, whoa, doesn't sound good. It's like, I'm not worried about it. 
Think about that for a moment. Jesus is not worried not one time that he's sending them out in such a manner. I think I know why. Because those 72 people that are going out, he's already gifted them. He's already entrusted them with an anointing to take out those wolves. Because in a world where the wolf is stronger than the lamb, in the spiritual sense, in Christ, the lamb is always stronger than the wolf. And when Christ says, I send you as lambs among wolves, he's basically saying, as you go out to this dark, perverse world, trust me, I've gifted you and entrusted you, and you will overpower. So they come back like, we casted out demons. We healed the sick. We did all these things. And what did Jesus tell them? Yes. (laughs) What's the answer? It's not because what Tito can do. It's not about what you can do. What does he say to them? Yes. It's because what I've gifted you with in the unknown unless you explore you'll never know how ferocious you the little lamb really are and that's the truth that's the truth i might look like a lamb but mess with me and i'm ferocious why because there is a king in me there's a savior in me there's a presence in me there is a spirit in me that is greater than the spirit of this world i am a lamb among wolves church That's who we are. That's who we are. That's who we are. But watch this. We'll never experience it if we never go explore it. You're in the unknown. You know what happens to many of us Christians? And I say this because I've lived this and I live it. We hide the sheep's clothing in certain places. I don't want no one to know in here because I don't fit in here, that I'm a sheep. Hopefully no one sees me. Hopefully no one recognizes me. Who in the world said that? We don't live like that. We show the world that we are sheep, but we show them that as lambs, God's gifted us to do amazing and powerful, courageous things in this unknown call that he's called us to. How many of you could say amen? I feel like moving on to the next one. Number two, I want everyone to look at verse four. In verse four, what, look what he tells them, his disciples. I look at Luke chapter 10, and the whole passage of Luke 10, 1 through 20, is a big call to the unknown. Didn't you guys catch that? When he sends out the disciples, hey, go out to these towns. Didn't it sound like, what's going to happen? And God's like, you'll see. You'll see. I remember when I wanted to ride a bike. They would push me on my sister's pink bike. Traumatized me. But I had to explore. Does it have to be pink? Just use your sister's bike. And they would get on the bike and and go. And you would pedal, 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 pedal. And I remember my family members. And and they would run by me. You're doing it. You're doing it. Until what? Until you fall. And you get back up. Oh, my God, that hurt. Do it again. Christian life is like that. Explore. Get on it. You'll see what you're really made out of. You'll see how eventually it doesn't end. Keep going. Explore. And then in verse 4, in the same passage of Luke 10, he tells these guys this. Ready? As they're, he's sending them out as lambs among wolves. As after he's revealing to them, I've gifted you. You're going to explore things and you're going to find the gifts that I've given you. Watch this. Because watch this. Watch this. Watch this. None of those disciples had the power to rebuke any demons. 
None of those disciples had any kind of authority in themselves that was able to cast out demons. I'm going to be very honest with you. None of you have that kind of authority either unless Christ is in you and giving it to you. That's why in the New Testament, when the wrong person began to what? Try to cast out other demons. Paul, I know. You're Jesus, I know. But who in the world are you? They don't mess with these things. But when you're in Christ... You're a lamb among wolves. And then we go to the next verse, and he says this. Hey, as a matter of fact, I know I'm making you a lamb among wolves, but number two, ready? Don't take any money with you. Whoa. Normally when I go on vacation or I go on a trip, I take money with me. Sometimes I like to buy a little something here and there, right? Don't take any money. Don't even take your luggage. No traveler's bag. Not even an extra pair of shoes. Ladies, this is very difficult for you. I know that. But come on, my favorite heels. Not even that. But they match so well. Who cares? They, I don't know if this, out of the 72, if any of them were women, but that would have been very hard for them to hear God say, you can't take your other sandal. I have a feeling there were all men going out there. And it says, no extra pair of sandals, and don't stop to greet anyone on the road. That's kind of rude, God. The first thing we, we check and make sure we have when we travel, like I just said, is make sure we have money or enough money for that journey who goes on a trip and doesn't take the proper amount of money to assure their well-being? The second thing that we probably make sure we have is make sure we're all packed. How many of you are like my wife that makes a list and does a check? And I'm just the one that just throws everything in. Hopefully it's all in here. If not, I don't know what's going to happen. And I hope that magically my wife goes into all my luggage like she always does and searches everything and finds the thing that I'm missing. She always does so good at that. How many of your husbands can say amen? I know exactly what you're talking about. But who goes on a trip and not make sure that, doesn't make sure that everything's packed, everything that we need? We need to make sure it's in that luggage. Who goes on this trip and doesn't even take luggage? Hey, what do you do? I'm just going to wing it. <laughs> You're going for how long? Two weeks. And what are you taking? Just this. Not too wise. Not good. They don't take no extra change of clothes, no luggage, no other pairs of shoes, no sandals. Hey, church, listen. That's the unknown. The Lord, what is he basically telling them? Just go and just go and nothing else with you. See, in our lives, we can feel as if we're incapable at times. Like we don't have what it takes for certain things. Fill in the blank. Ready? There's no way that I can, ne- there's no way that I can ever blank. There's no way that I could ever fill in the blank. I don't know. We feel like that at times. We feel like we're out here. We're called to be set apart. We are a light in the midst of darkness. We're righteous among unrighteousness. But ready? But now what, God? But now what, Lord? I feel like I have nothing on this journey. Nothing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I quote him again. There is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. There's a reason why I'm telling you to go without your luggage, without your shoes, without your clothes. There's a reason why I'm telling you when you go and someone says hello to you, you just turn away. Don't even greet a stranger. But I've known them since childhood. No one. There's a reason why I'm doing this. You just keep going. You keep exploring because I'm about to show you something. Number two, number one was explore God's gifting. You're going to catch this. It's all G's. Number two is explore God's goodness. Doesn't seem good to me. Hey, come here. It doesn't seem good to me. He's telling me not to take money. He's telling me not to take clothes. My goodness, just another pair of sandals. And God says, nothing. Because when you go and explore in the unknown, I want you to recognize this, he tells us. I want you to see that you don't need money, you don't need your luggage, you don't need extra shoes, you don't need anyone, so don't greet anyone. What God is really telling his disciples here is, you just 
need me and I will show you my goodness. That's it. I feel like I will never blame. God looks at you and says, do you not know? Do you not see? Have you not found? You don't need any security. What is Jesus really telling them? I'm your security. You don't need to say hello to anyone so you could trust in them. I am your trust in this unknown. In Philippians, Paul, Paul writes to the church of Philippi in chapter 4, verse 19. And God will supply every need of yours according to the riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And God will supply every need. Everyone say every need. How many of you right now have some needs? Come on, I'm being real, real honest. I know that there's got to be a handful of y'all. And God's looking at you and says, come here. Oh, God, please speak to someone's heart. You find yourself today without any luggage? You find yourself today without another, any pairs of shoes extra? You find yourself today with no money on this journey? You find yourself today with all this need but nothing to fill this need? And God just smiles in such a worse time to smile in. <laughs> Who smiles then? God does. And he looks at you and says, just where I want you, with no money, no clothes, no one to help you. Watch this. Just me. Just me. In the unknown, in this call of ours, you know what God is saying to you? Just me. Watch this. And I'm enough. Just me. And I'm enough. Paul writes to the church of Philippi, just God, just him, and he will supply your every need according to his riches. Explore the unknown church. Find his goodness. See that it's all around you. Supplying you with all that you need. The truth is he might want to strip you from the things that you think. Listen now. You might look at your life and you say, well, God is looking at your life and he says, what's happening is I'm stripping you away from all the things that you think you need. So you can actually find the things that you actually need. How many of you do that with your spouses? My wife's like, I need this, I need this, I need this. I look at her and say, no, no, no. You want that, you want that, and you want that. You don't need any of that. The other day she got me. I need that, man. I, need I said it three times by accident. And she looks at me and she goes, you said three things that you need. Do you really need them or do you want them? And maybe he wants to strip us from the things that we think we need to give us what we actually need. And maybe he can't do it until he calls you out into the unknown and you recognize that there's not a money to your name, not a title, not a job that you could stand in, not a bill that you can pay this week, not a bread that you can eat, a water you can drink, not an extra pair of clothes that you could change into. And you are in this place serving God which you thought that he was going to just make you rich and you were going to live in big homes and nice cars, and God looks at you and says, my riches are so much different than what you thought the riches were. My riches are that I supply your every need on every single day of your life, and you'll never be without. Hey, guys, number one, explore God's gift, because God's gifted every single person here. Number two, explore God's what? Goodness. Number three, are you ready for this one? I like this one a lot. Look at verse 20 with me. 
Jesus. It starts with a G, so you can start thinking already what it is. And I'm done. I'm, I'm really done. Like, literally, maybe till like three minutes and I'll be done. So number three comes out. And they're all, Jesus, we casted out demons. We did so many good things. And you could almost see like a son does to a father, right? Dad, I hit a home run. I got a guy out at home. Dad, I shot the game winning three. I stole the ball. I had five blocks, 25. God, and they're just basking in it. Can you imagine the dad just looks at him and says, yes. But who cares about it? Like, wow. God, I got the MVP. Lord, I, Daddy, I, I did it, Dad. I got the start. When I was little, I didn't have many of these, but for every good thing that you did on the baseball field, we would have a little powwow on the bleachers, and the coach would come out. And the coach would say, all right, good win today, guys. And what stinked was that even when we lost, we got a gift, which I'm totally, totally against that. My son will really learn that there's a time to lose and a time to win. Amen? <laughs> Poor son of mine. And I was sitting in the front bleacher, and they would give stars that clipped on hats. The kid that hit the home run got this big, fat star. The home run hitter had a hat full of them, their hat. And then the, there was these kids that they felt bad for. Oh, good sportsmanship. Rigo Figueroa, you got the good sportsmanship one. And I got the little star on my head. And I was like, yay. No, they didn't want all the kids. But I always wanted the big, and I couldn't hit the home run. I would hit the wind only. And you look at those stars and there were the accomplishments worn on their heads of how good they did and how good they are and what they've accomplished. And then you look at other kids that didn't have as much stars. It was kind of empty. And you kind of already knew when you looked down the lineup who that kid is. And yeah, he's not so good. So here comes the disciples and they're wearing all these, these hats with all these stars. Big fat ones, the home run ones. Their hats are filled with gold stars. All of them. And they're basking. And they're waving their, their hats to Jesus. Look what I did. I did it. And Jesus just like grabs their hat. I wish I was wearing a hat today. And just grabs it. And just like, yeah. And they're like, wow. And I'm going to repeat what I read to you already in verse 20. He says, don't rejoice. Don't rejoice because of the stars on your head. Don't rejoice because you casted out evil spirits and they obey you. But you rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. Like God looks at the baseball team totally different. He's like, don't rejoice because you're the home run hitter. You just rejoice because you're part of the team. That's good enough. Eternity waits you. I love that in this passage, there's nothing good to really say about us or to us. Did you guys notice that? You're a lamb in the midst of wolves. Everyone say, not good. There are going to be some that reject you. You wipe the dust from your feet. Keep going. Not good. I don't like to be rejected. That's sad. Don't take anything with you as security. Not even $10. Not good. Nothing good. Thank God, at least one pair of sandals. Nothing. Nothing good. But you know what he does? Yep, nothing good. But yet, there's still grace all over it. Grace. Who's caught the grace in this passage? Has anyone seen grace? I have. Watch this. Don't even rejoice when you're used to do great things. And you can see the disciples like, man, God, give us a break. 
And then he says, instead, you rejoice. Watch what he says next. Because your names are registered in heaven. Rejoice because I've given you something that you don't even deserve. Wow. Rejoice because my grace is what has secured you and placed you in eternity. In that you rejoice. Not in the stars on your head. Not in all the things that you've accomplished. You rejoiced in what awaits you in the grace of God and what I've promised you and what I've gifted you with. I read this passage and I thought it was about the disciples doing things. And then I get to the end and I recognize it's about Jesus and what he's doing. It's all about his grace. It's about his grace that has gifted us. It's about his grace that has given us goodness. It's about His grace that has fulfilled and we will walk into those promises. It's always about God's grace. Church, explore the unknown. Find His goodness. Find His gifting. Find His grace. You will never be the same again. You don't need the high position at your job. If He gives it to you, amen. But what you strive for is for God and God will give you the desires and God will give you the needs. You all we always need is more of God he gives us the job he gives us the finances he gives us the children he gives us the spouse he will give us it all I'm telling you according to his perfect will he's the one that gives things to us we don't go fight for it we don't go long for it we just explore him and as we explore him we experience him and that's what he's telling us in this passage know me in the unknown I love that. Know me in the unknown. When everything is unknown here, there's a reason why nothing is known to you. Because the only thing I want you to know in the unknown is me. I don't want you to see if there's a boat in front of you, if there's sharks swimming around you, or if there's a pot of gold on the other side of that mist. In the unknown, all I want you to see All I want you to know, all I want you to experience is me. And when you are in me in these waters, when you are in me in that wilderness, when you are in me in the call that I've given you, know this, I will supply your every need. The unknown is where God has us so that he could be known. How many of you thought about it that way? The unknown is a place so that he may be known in the unknown let's never forget God's gifting God's goodness and his grace but there's one more G that I'll feel ashamed and I'll have to repent if I don't mention it God's gifting as I end God's goodness and God's grace is all for God's glory. Another G, just for fun. God's glory. If you're in love with God's glory right now, you know what I'm talking about. God's glory. Man, Jesus. Verse 16 says this. Verse 16, we see God's glory. I wonder how many of you read this passage and didn't see God's glory. He said to his disciples, anyone who accepts your message accepts me. 
Anyone who rejects you rejects me. Anyone who rejects me rejects God, who sent me. It's all about my glory. Your message is really my glory. So if they reject your message, they reject my glory. I really had three parts equals fourth part, God's glory. It's all for my glory. Why can't it? Sometimes we think this way. Why can't it be at least some, some about our glory, God? At times, it's just some, please. I wrote this down. If you want to write this, you could bask on this that I just wrote. Ready? Because even in our glories, we don't have the power to save anyone. We are in desperate need of God's glory. He alone, listen to this, He alone is able to save all men. So it always remains about and for His glory. Church, my glory and your glory, our glory is powerless. But His glory is all-powerful. Explore the unknown. Find His glory. Live in it. Rest in it. The unknown is not about me. It's not about you. It's not about us. It's about finding and living in awe of Him. It's about His gifts, not our gifts. Because He's the one that gave it to us. It's about His goodness. It's about His grace. It's about His glory. How many of you could say amen? There is meaning in every journey that is unknown to the traveler. So you came in today and you said, what's What's my purpose? And God and he says, your meaning, your purpose in the unknown is the gifts that I'm going to give you, the goodness that I'm going to show you, the grace I'm going to pour upon you, and the glory of mine that I'm going to reveal through you. My God, can we stand together? I feel the Spirit of God in this place. We haven't done this probably in like close to two months. I'm going to be very sensitive. If you need to go, love you guys. I'll see you guys next Sunday for that. Trust me, you don't want to miss next Sunday. We have some special, we have a, I'm going to preach next Sunday, but we have some, a special group of visitors that are going to be here and they're going to do something special for us. I'm just going to leave it like that. You just got to be here and invite people. It's going to be special next Sunday. I'm going to close off the series with one more word. And you don't even know this, but all these words are going to spell something beautiful. Just get ready for next Sunday. But as we close off today, I believe God is speaking. Jewel's heart's here. Now, God could be ministering to all of us because that's what he does in his word. But there might be that person or that person today. And maybe God is tugging at you in a way in the unknown where You've been struggling with this idea of meaning and purpose. And today he's revealing to you that it's, that it's him. It's his goodness. It's this grace. It's this gifting that he's pouring. It's this glory for him. 
I want to lift up and I want to open up the altar before we go. If there's anyone here that is in need of prayer, and just say, Pastor, I just, I just need to be encouraged. Can you just pray the word of God over me? Can you just, I just need prayer from me. I need to finally live in this unknown, making himself known to me. Experiencing that and exploring more of him. I just, of my, my lunch. I need to get rid of my sandals. I need to get rid of my money. I need God just to reveal himself finally, once and for all in my life, in this unknown, in this call that I'm walking in. I'm going to open up the altar if you need prayer. I want to just pray with you, come in agreement with you, and lift you up because I think sometimes we just need people to pray for one another. So go ahead. I'll give you a few seconds. If you feel that's you, I'm going to open up the altar and we'll pray together. If not, we'll just close off and we'll have an amazing Sunday today. But if that's anyone here, can we pray together? Hallelujah, Lord. Speak to our hearts, God. God, you are good. God, you are good. Lord, we worship you, Jesus. If you have some time with you and you could just get into the presence, can you do that today? where you're at can you just get it kiss face today your lord today his presence is here with us worship him you and him just just do it love him know him today you don't need anyone if you're out there just worship him This is you and God. Hallelujah.